great testimony. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That was wonderful. Didn't know all that about you. Didn't know that about you. That's what testimonies are for, right? Well, well, well. So, Pastor Cindy, every time you get up and speak, you knock it out the park. I'm telling you. I can't wait to hear what she's going to say next. This is phenomenal. She gets up, she says, oh, gosh. I'm trying to figure out which, which lane she runs in. And I can't. She runs in all eight at the same time. Every time she gets up, she's in a different lane. But uh, what a blessing. I listened to that sermon again this week. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? My goodness. Well, let's, uh, let's continue that same thought. I'm in a, in a mini uh, series called God Knows. God Knows. And last week we said that God knows your name and God knows where to find you. Amen? And this week, we're going to add to that. We're going to say God knows what you need. He knows your name, knows where to find you, knows what you need. And next week, I will talk about God knows how to make a way for you. He'll make a way. So that's how we'll, we'll do next week. Now, <clears throat> when we talk about our needs, um, sometimes we have to become vulnerable with ourselves, honest with ourselves honest with the Lord, um, that we actually recognize that we have these needs. Um, because, you know, God actually can't meet your need if you won't recognize that you have the need. See, not every need that you have is financial or healing. It may be something else. maybe emotional. maybe some form of addiction. It may be something else that you have going on in your life. And until you are willing to at least tell God about it, come to Him about it. He can't really force you, can't force an antidote into your life to bring about change. So uh, this morning you may be a little, pers- a little vulnerable as I go th- uh, you know, through the, the teaching. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And, uh, and I trust that God is going to meet your needs. Amen? Whatever they are. So uh, let's begin by reading the story of Zacchaeus found in Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus or who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. To see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, Come down immediately, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So, well, how does that work in with your story today, with your sermon today? Well, first of all, let me tell you about Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, he used to take taxes from the Jews for the Romans. And, uh, you know, IRS is not the most loved department in America, right? It doesn't come close to social welfare. And he was the IRS guy. The thing is this, that a lot of the tax collectors were actually cheaters. They would take more than they were supposed to and pocket the difference. And 
If you didn't hear, Cindy said shocking. <laughs> so Zacchaeus was no different. And uh, so here's the thing. He, he was an outcast. He was hated. He's not the guy that you'd invite to your party. You, you, you know, if you had a street party, he, he would be left out. Yeah. He would not get an invitation to come, all right? He's not on your list of invitees for you. So he, he was hated. He was an outcast. Now, um, his wealth didn't help him, didn't comfort him, because he was actually looking for some type of relationships with people. This is really what most people want is relationships. Money can't buy that. Anyway, so um, he wants to see Jesus, and uh, he climbs up the tree. So here's the beginning. Jesus knew his name. He's walking along, looks up the tree, Zacchaeus. He knew his name. Nobody knew. So God knows your name. Knows where to find you, even if you're up a tree. <laughs> and many of you sitting right here now are up a tree. Hello. You're up a tree. And uh, it may be in different areas of your life that you're up a tree. But God is passing by. Jesus is passing by. He knows your name, and He knows you're up a tree. He knows how to find you. He also knows what you have need of. Jesus knew that... Uh, Zach needed an opportunity to repent, to be reconciled, to be forgiven. And he invites himself to his home. And, uh, of course, Zacchaeus says, fine, come on down. This is great. I want you to come. And he gets there, and, of course, Zacchaeus repents. He, he apologizes immediately. There's, there's conviction that happens uh, in his life. And he gets an opportunity to be accepted Jesus accepts him. And then all the other, you know, tax collectors are there. I mean, they were birds of a feather. They were flocked. It's not a problem. But Zacchaeus felt accepted by Jesus. Jesus came to his house. Not anybody else's house. Came to his house. And he got the opportunity to give back. An opportunity to repent. An opportunity to say sorry. You see... The healing of his need began with his honesty. And that's what I was saying to you. The healing of your need begins with you being honest with God and with people around you and your family. And Zacchaeus had to be honest with Jesus. He said, you know, yeah, I've taken money. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to return it. And I'm going to add to it. So he was, he was being vulnerable. He was confessing his situation. And this is what allowed God to bring healing to his life. He opened his life. See, many times I've preached in churches where people have had needs sitting in the congregation. And as I'm trying to share with them, God wants to help them, they shut down. They shut down. They won't open up and say, okay, here am I, God. And that's part of the reason why we do the altar call. The altar call is hopefully a step in the right direction where you go, you know what? I don't care who knows. I don't care who knows about the situation in my life. I've got to get God to help me. 
I'm coming forward to this altar call. I'm being honest with myself. I'm being vulnerable before God, and I'm trusting God to meet my need. Are you listening to me? Okay. So God wants to meet your need. He knows your name, knows where to find you, and he wants to meet your need. Now, the problems that you face, I'm going to ask you, we're being very open and honest here. Have they brought you to a place where your prayers are mixed with tears? <coughs> are you praying and crying at the same time? Are you in such a situation where perhaps even when you go to sleep at night, you turn from your spouse and tears are running down your eyes and your spouse doesn't know how you're feeling and what's going on? Have you come to a place where your need is so overwhelming that when you try and pray, you do more crying than praying? And your prayers are choked. And you go, gosh, this is not a prayer of faith. Is it wrong? No. You, you're being vulnerable. You're being honest. You think, I haven't prayed those kind of prayers in the last four years? Yeah. Yeah. Prayed those prayers. I've got good news for you today. I want to show you a scripture found in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 5. Now, the prophet here is not Elijah or Elisha. The prophet is Isaiah. And you may pronounce it differently, but it's the same guy. <laughs> and uh, God says to him, go back to the king Hezekiah, the leader of my people, and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor, David, says. I have heard your prayers and seen your tears. You see, Hezekiah was dying, and he couldn't get himself healed. And lying on his bed, he turned to the wall, and he was crying. And he said, God, do you remember how I've served you? I've walked before you the best I know how. I've loved you with all my heart. I've done what was right in your sight. How is it that I should be in this situation? How, should, how is it that I should die young? And Isaiah says to him, God says, I've heard your prayer and I've seen your tears. I will heal you. And in three days from now, you will get up out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend the city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. Listen to what God said. I will heal you. Say, I will. I will. God said, I will heal you. In three days from now, you will get up and you will go, let's call it church. You'll go to the temple. You'll go to the house of God. You're going to be healed. I just sense in my heart to say prophetically that there's people here that you need something to happen the next three days. I don't know what it is that you're facing. 
It may be illness, but I'm not going to limit it to that. I think there are other things that you're facing where the next three days are going to be imperative. And I want to prophesy and say to you that God says in the next three days, within the next three days, you will see a change. That you will be able to get up and get going. Things are going to turn around for you. Say, I will. Then he said, I will add 15 years to your life. He's going to add long life. Amen. For all of us who are 85 and over. Amen. You're heading for 100, right? Heading for 100. 15 years. He's going to add life to you. He's going to extend your life. And then he said, I will rescue you. I'm going to rescue the city, but I'm going to rescue you. Say, God will. Rescue me. Then he said, I will defend the city. In other words, I could say that God said, I will defend you. Perhaps there's somebody here today or somebody who's listening online. And there's been some accusations or even some lawsuits brought against you. Something has come against you. And I have the word of the Lord for you today. God said, I will defend you. He is coming alongside. He is going to defend you. And then he said, I will not only defend you, but I am going to do this for my honor. It's for his name's sake. He said, I'm going to do this for the sake of my servant David. We could say for his sake of his servant Jesus. He's going to do it because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen? Amen. Can you say that? God will heal you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to add life. He's going to rescue you. He's going to defend you for His honor and for the name of Jesus. Which means to me, I understand that you have made a stand for God. You have made a stand. And you might be at this time being attacked for your stand. God said, I will defend you for his honor and for the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, listen carefully to this question. (laughs) Do you have a death wish? Now, let me just explain that. Not a wish for you to die, but a wish that something would come to pass in your life before you die. You understand what I'm saying? They, they, you, you might know it better as a, as a bucket list. Okay? So, but I'm talking about something that you want God to do for you, and it's important. This is an important thing. Otherwise, it wouldn't be, please, God, let this happen before I die. Now, we came to America in 1990, so that's 32 years ago. And we were sponsored by a pastor, uh, Alan Higgins, and a wonderful dear friend, and mentor for over 35 years. Well, he lost his battle with cancer at the age of 81. Uh, He battled cancer for five years. Now, when we were still in the San Marcos uh, venue before we came here, it was back in 2011, um, I invited him to come and speak for us at the church. Um, he He was already riddled with cancer all the way back down his neck and so on. And I knew it would be the very last time that he'd preach for me because his ability to preach was already waning. 
and I invite him to come preach for me. And I was, I was glad I, I did, because it was, in fact, the very last time that he could. Well, the, the next year, uh, 2012, March, um, I felt a prompting to, to call him and to offer to come and have communion with him, to come break bread with him and, and share communion with him. And I didn't call, and two or three days went by, and the, the sensation grew stronger. By the third day, I was like feeling, I've got to do this. I've got to do it today. So I reached out and called him, and I said, I know you're not having visitors, but would it be okay if Jackie and I came up and broke bread with you? And he said, Henry, he said, this morning I prayed. Lord, before I die, would you send someone? to break bread with me and have communion and pray with me. So I said, we're on our way. So we drove up to San Clemente, and uh, he, was, he was still humorous, even in, in that pain that he was in. And Jackie and I were walking as, as we do. Uh, you know, it was before she con contracted the Mycenae Gravis. And uh, we were going to the, the lounge area where we are going to meet. And we're like two old toppies, you know, wobblies. Like this, and he was walking next to us, and he turns to Jackie and he says, I'll race you. <laughs> you know what I <laughs> He's in such pain that when we got to the couch, he couldn't sit on the couch. He actually knelt down with an ice pack on his neck because he was in that much pain. And we broke bread, had communion, we spoke for a little bit, we prayed together, knowing that this would be the last time I'd see him this side of heaven. And he asked me if I would do his memorial service. And of course, I was very, very glad to do that. And I said, thank you so much. And he said, well, I know you'll stop them talking. I said, what? He said, you're the only person I know that would stand up and take the mic from them and stop them talking so we could move on. I said, are you serious with me? He said, yes, I know. You would do it. I said, okay. All right, then. If that's all I'm worth. But anyway, no. I said, well, you know, um, next month we're going to the Philippines um, on a preaching tour. Well, what I didn't know is that next week I had a heart attack and ended up in hospital, but still went to the Philippines. Two weeks after that, still went to the Philippines. Cindy, myself, and Jackie went off to the Philippines. We talk about wobblies. There I'm just recovering from a heart attack, and Jackie's in the wheelchair, and Cindy's the only one who could cope. And then we both got... Eight pieces of luggage. Well, we only had one. Cindy had seven. <laughs> That's what it was. Well, while we were gone, he passed. We were in the Philippines, he passed. So, unfortunately, his memorial service went five hours. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing. Being the answer to his prayer with tears, his death wish prayer, was so meaningful. Even though we left that day sad, I was so grateful to be used of God to answer, and maybe in my world, would be a very small thing, to have communion, very small thing. But to him, it was an important thing. Now, do you have that important thing that you want God to do. I've got good news for you. I believe that He's going to do it. He's going to meet your need. He knows what it is. 
Philippians 4 verse 14. Yet it was good for you to share my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I was sent out from, set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. That's a shame. No churches supported Paul when he went out early days of his ministry. Verse 16, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Aphroditus the gift you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So here we see Paul saying, if you've been generous, if you've been supporting the church, if you've been supporting missionaries, if you've been supporting the school in Ghana, if you've been supporting Sister Padma, if you've been doing that with your finances, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says, my God will meet all your needs. In this case, he's talking about finances. Specifically talking about finances. So God will meet all of your needs, but there's special uh, scripture that is directed to the generous, the givers in the body of Christ. That they might know God knows your name. He knows where to find you. He knows what your need is, and He is going to meet it. Would you say out loud, God will meet my need? In Jesus' name. Amen. Back in 1985, we had just finished building um, a beautiful home uh, in South Africa, right on the river. Um, And it was one of the most beautiful homes in the whole neighborhood, in fact, in the whole city. I went a little overboard, I must tell you. I just went too far. And what happened is that I overextended myself, ran out of money, and uh, the overdraft was stopped. That's it. No more. Credit cards had maxed out. And I was in a situation where we had no money. We couldn't even buy gas for the car. And one night, in this terrible situation, Jackie reached for the last frozen pack of food that's in our freezer, and she cooked that for dinner. She put it in front of us, and it was chicken livers. Now, some people like chicken livers, but not when they're green. (laughs) And they smell pungent. I mean, like, take that away from me. So, Jesus prayed over the fish and bread. So our family held hands and prayed over these green chicken livers. And then we prayed with tears because it didn't work. No. They stayed green. They still smelling. We could eat it. And we were desperate. And of course, Cindy has always had the mouth. Always. She says, I'm not going to eat this. And I said, okay, none of us are going to eat this. So she says, what are we going to do? Now, the pastor and the leader of the home, being the man of faith and power that I am, (laughs) I decree God will provide. 
The mouth says, when. One word, one word. I mean, talk about the air being sucked out the balloon. When? And right then, I'm not kidding, there was a knock at the door. I went to the door. A lady from our church, lived a couple of houses from us, said that that afternoon while she was preparing, the Lord said, make a little extra soup and some bread and take it to the pastor. Now, you wouldn't think you want to take bread and soup to the pastor to live this lovely home. But God told her to provide for us. He knew what we have need before we even asked. And somebody had prepared and brought, listen, it may not be a big thing to you, but soup and bread right then was like God sent. And it was. Hallelujah. And I turned to Cindy and I said, now. Love these stories. Love these stories. Don't like going through them, like telling them afterwards. <laughs> Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Do you need some grace? Yeah. Amen. Always. In the time of need, we need some grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So let me tell you another one about Cindy, since I've started on her. <laughs> she can talk next time she gets the mic. So uh, I took Jackie to South Africa uh, the year 2001. She had the stroke in, in 99. And we flew to Africa for her to be prayed for by a man who operated, a prophet operating tremendous power gifts. I mean, over 11,000 miracles happened in this guy's church. Phenomenal recorded miracles. So we flew to go and see him. And while we were there, um, we had a preaching tour. But anyway... So one night, around 2 o'clock in the morning, I, I get woken up with the urge to pray, intercession prayer. I fall out of bed on my knees, and I begin to pray, literally groaning in the Spirit, just praying and praying and praying. And after an hour or so, I realized that I was praying for Cindy's safety. Um, she's always required a lot of prayer. <laughs> and at this particular time, she really wasn't walking close to the Lord, Okay. Um, she was working on a cruise ship, and uh, let me tell you what happened. So the cruise ship had docked in Carousel, and uh, so about 10 of them, they hired a jeep, got some motorbikes, and they're going to tour the island. It's a, it's a Dutch island in the Caribbean, so it's a beautiful place. And so they head out for the day, and uh, she's wearing a tank top and shorts and flip-flops. Fortunately, she's got a helmet on. And she's riding on the motorbike behind somebody. And, and after lunch, they're heading back to the ship. And Pete, who is driving her bike, decides he's going to accelerate and get in front of the whole crowd. So he accelerates. And here we go. But it's a blind rise. As they come over the blind rise, the road turns to the right. He realizes he can't make the turn. He's going to lose it on the, on the hard surface. So he gets off onto the side and the gravel, the dirt. And, of course, the bike goes immediately underneath him. And there they were flying through the air. Um, Cindy landed on him and hit him so hard that pushed him under the divide. It was a double highway, so they had the metal dividers between the two roads and pushed him right underneath it. She thought she had killed him. Well, she tumbled seven times. We know this because a video was being made by somebody driving in the Jeep. They were just recording what was going on, and they got the whole accident. 
Cindy said after she watched it one time, she never wanted to watch it again. She was just couldn't bear it. She tumbled seven times. She knew instantly she had broken her arm. She knew she had broken her ribs. Uh, she was, I mean, I, there wasn't a patch on her body that wasn't torn up because it, the skin, you know, just came off. She, was, she was, had nothing to protect her. Anyway, the ambulance arrived. Um, they took her to hospital. They took both of them to hospital. Emergency started doing x-rays on her. And, and him and on Pete, and immediately Pete's got a broken leg four places, she's got a broken left arm, broken ribs, and they are actually compressing her chest so she can breathe because she's got a punctured lung. She's having to help her to breathe. Uh, so uh, the, they contacted the ship doctor and they told the ship doctor she's got a punctured lung, and uh, that, you don't get let back on the ship. If you've had a, an accident, a broken something, you know, bone, you don't get back on the ship. They won't allow you. You have to get your own way home. And uh, so they x-rayed her arm and they x-rayed her hand as well. And uh, then they came back and they uh, wanted to do some more x-rays. And suddenly something changed. And doctors started to gather around her, talking feverishly, gathering around her. And so she starts to cry. And she says, please tell me what's going on. They were obviously concerned. Something was wrong. They were concerned. And so she said, please tell me, please tell me, please tell me what's going on. What's wrong? And they said, that's the problem. Nothing is wrong. And she says, my dad must be praying for me somewhere right now. They took more x-rays and they showed her from the broken arm to the not so broken to the healed. Visibly done. They, had, they, had to, they stopped compressing her chest because <clears throat> she could breathe. Punctured lung was healed. They took back stages of her hand, and there were just tiny fragments. They didn't even have to strap it or anything. They went, sent her to the ship, and the ship accepted her back on. They shouldn't normally have, so that's another miracle. But Pete, they didn't with his broken leg. He had to get his own way home. Fortunately, he had insurance. Sydney didn't have any insurance. So we arrived back from South Africa. On our way from the airport, San Diego, we got the telephone call. Sydney says, I don't want you to be shocked, but I'm at home. I go, what? What are you doing at home? She said, I was involved in a motorbike accident. You must know what's going through you. She said, but I want you to know there's been a miraculous healing. So I'm at home, I'm resting, but I'm fine. See, God knows your name, where you are, and what you have need of, even before you ask. Amen? Hallelujah. Give God praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 8, Matthew 8, uh, sorry, 6, 8, for your Father knows what you have need of before you ask Him. He knows that. In Matthew 6, 28, Jesus says, so why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. Verse 33. Here's the secret. Here's the secret. Listen. 
but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. People, here's my, my advice. Put God first. Seek God first in all your affairs. Seek God first in your marriage. Seek God first in your business. Seek God first in whatever you're facing. He knows what you have need of, and He is going to meet that need. He promised He'll meet that need. All I'm asking you to do is make God the priority in your life. Make Him the priority. Irrespective of how you're hurting, what you're going through, the difficulties, sickness, financial, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Make Him the priority. Always put Him first. Would you do that? God said, I will heal you. Say that with me. He will heal me. Three days from now, something special is going to happen. Amen? Come on, say it. Three days from now, something special is going to happen. I will add to your years. Say, God will add to my years. Say, God said, I will rescue you. Say, God said, I will rescue you. And God said, I will defend you for His honor. Amen? Close your eyes for a moment. Think about what the Holy Spirit is saying to you today in your situation. The I wills of God. I will heal you. I will add to your life. I will rescue you. I will defend you for His own honor. And within three days, there will be a change. What is God saying to you about being vulnerable, being honest with Him? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? It's time to let God be God in your life. It's time to let Him be the Father. Not only does God want to minister to you in your need, but hey, God might want to use you to meet somebody else's death wish. Even if it's having communion with them. Who knows? Maybe a prayer that you're supposed to pray with somebody. What is it? Are you open to God doing that? Are you open to letting God use you to meet somebody else's need? Lord, as we sit here before you today, we're so grateful that you're willing to meet our need. You know our name. You know where to find us. But Lord, we also seek first the kingdom. Make you a priority. So even in our need, we pray, Lord, that you'd use us to meet someone else's need where they were praying with tears. We pray this in Jesus' name. Does everybody stand? Just remain in this attitude. We want to pray for you this morning. If you would like us, maybe you, you feel like you're ready to be vulnerable and honest with God, and you want somebody to pray with you. So I'm going to ask for our ministry team to come forward.
So putting the kingdom first, this is your opportunity right here, right now. We want to pray with you, and God wants to meet your need. Are you willing to ask for help? Are you willing to be honest and ask for help? And if you've been praying those prayers with tears, how about us just giving you a hug and letting you know that God knows your name. He knows where to find you. He heard your prayers and he's seen your tears. Now, if you'd like prayer, just come on down. We'd like to pray with you. If you'd come right now, we're going to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to step down here. Okay. Then you may be seated in the congregation. Now, while we're praying for these people, if you need prayer for healing or you'd like to give your life to the Lord, fully committing your way to Him, or you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit, baptism by Jesus with the evidence of speaking other tongues, we'd like to pray for you as well. If you'd like to step forward, we'd be happy to pray for you. Those three things. If you need healing for your body, you'd like to give your life to the Lord, or you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit, you can step forward now as well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you spoke an encouraging word to our hearts. We feel comforted, and we know that you hear us when we pray, even when we pray with tears. And you said you'd answer. You're going to make things turn around in our life because you're the God of miracles. Lord, we thank you for your comfort. Holy Spirit, strengthen us this, this week. 
as we walk through this life. Help us to put you first, the kingdom first. And Lord, if there's opportunity for you to use us to meet somebody else's need, we make ourselves available in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, so next week we'll continue with God will make a way. He knows your need, He'll make a way. All right, have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday. God bless.